When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, all you Golden State Warriors fans out there. You got to tune in to the Oakland Warriors podcast, the official dubs podcast of Fans First Sports Network. It's awesome. It's hosted by Patrick Epino and a rotating crew of guests who follow this franchise for decades, just like Doug and I have with the Giants. The show dives deep into all things Warriors, both on the court and off. Will the Dubs be legit contenders this year? Is Steve Kerr actually going to play Jonathan Kaminga enough to have a breakout year? Will the Chris Paul trade be a blessing or a curse? I'm very interested to know that myself. And most importantly, can Steph win another title or maybe two? The show takes an all-encompassing look at the greatest team in the NBA. No hot takes, no agendas, no bluster, and no goofy knee-jerk reactions. Just smart, insightful Warriors talk about the past, present, and future from one of the best in the business. Tune in and subscribe to the People's Podcast, the Oakland Warriors Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Oakland Warriors. Let's go! You're listening to Giants Croncast. A podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants. Featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazzoli. Part of FFSN, Fans First Sports Network. Uh, The Giants were turned inside out. The Giants were (laughs) eviscerated. The Giants were mollywhomped. They were obliterated, eviscerated. They looked awful. They looked like the worst awful baseball team you can imagine an embarrassing weekend in washington dc home to many embarrassing weekends i have to imagine given all the politicians there but just an awful weekend of baseball and one that makes you ashamed to be a giants fan for a while i would have to say uh yeah i mean it's pretty rare that you have a series with basically no redeeming qualities um i mean i know jock peterson hit two homers but uh, you know whatever he's you know, is he going to be around next year? No, eh, probably not. Is Did that actually turn the team around? No. Uh, were they bad at everything? Yes. It was, uh, it was ugly. It was hard to watch. It was embarrassing. And I, I didn't like it though. I did <laughs> like that. The one thing I did like is that on Thursday on my sub stack, I wrote that they weren't that good. And that you shouldn't trust their that five-game winning streak coming out of the break. And they did prove me very right. So I feel good about that. Because it's all about me. So between this podcast and your Substack, everyone's covered. Yeah, exactly. We've got it. I wrote about this in this in my series preview that the Giants lineup has been just dreadful. Just just awful, really going back 
uh, since the Dodgers series when they swept the Dodgers. Remember that? It was great. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> they beat the shit out of the Dodgers, made them look like chumps. Uh, but since then, the Giants coming into the series, so that's obviously changed. They were 15 and 11. They're now 15 and 14. They had been outscored coming into this national series, 108 to 97. Oh, that's changed. Uh, and they had a team OPS, OPS of just 640. Uh, they shaved off 20 points of slugging percentage on the season, Doug, in the last month. Uh, because coming into this national series, and I have to imagine it's gone down, their line, their triple slash that as a team was 215, 295, and 345. Uh, they've... Oh. Yeah, it was, that, it was that bad. By weighted runs created plus, their best players again since the Dodgers series. When not when every when anything was possible, when we thought, oh, okay, all right, uh, their best hitters. They've had just four players above average by weighted runs created plus. Wilmer Flores, of course, two ten, yeah, uh, one eighteen. Blake Sable, and then you got Mike Yastrzemski at one oh one oh six, and Austin Slater at one oh four, and that's it. I mean, Michael Conforto's looked okay, but he was 95. Again, coming into the series, it's probably worse now in a lot of cases there. And then you look at, it's really top-heavy. The Blake Sable line is really misleading, that 118 weighted runs created plus. A little misleading. He was hitting 268, 288, and 536. All that coming from the slugging, obviously. And this is a small sample size. We're talking about between like 50 and 60 plate appearances and I think it is important. I kept trying to tell myself, Doug, especially through Sunday's game, like this happens to every team. They go through slumps. They go through streaks. It's okay. But I really think this is a big test for most of the Giants fans uh, because the trade deadline's coming up. Remember that? And I think it's really, really, really super important to note that if you hate, if you hated Brandon Belt all those years, you are watching the Brandon Belt of baseball teams this year. So think about that when you when you clamor for Shohei Otani, when you beg Farhan to get off his hands and do something. Why? It's just to make the Brandon Belt of baseball teams better. Don't you hate Brandon Belt? Doesn't that mean you hate the Giants? Checkmate. Yeah, checkmate, bozos. <laughs> but it's it's a tough spot to be in because... We are releasing this episode the morning of this makeup game in Detroit. And I guess, Doug, if they win it, it'll be a winning road trip. And people will be like when when a baby successfully crashes the car into the driveway. Well, at least he parked. He got it in there. (laughs) But what was the baby doing behind the wheel? I submit to you. Anyway, that's where they're at. It's not it, it doesn't feel good right now, but it is worth pointing out that they're they are 54 and 46. I guess we shouldn't be that upset about it. The division is kind of within striking distance, four games out. Wild card wise, they're still the third wild card coming into this morning against the Detroit team that they should be better than. But we said that about the National Series, and look what happened. Now look at you, Giants. <laughs> you look like a bunch of losers. Anyway, uh, a couple more notes, actually. Because worth pointing out, I mentioned coming into the series, Joe Trezza covering the Giants this weekend for MLB.com pointed out that Mike Estremski is two for his last 39. Patrick Bailey is two for his last 22. J.D. Davis is four for his last 38. The Giants went 0 for 17 with runners in scoring position as a team over the three-game set. 
and the bottom third of their order combined to go three for 24 with nine strikeouts. And I need to point out that the, I think the nationals were maybe just maybe a hair worse or a hair better than the Rockies at allowing home runs. Like they're one of the worst home run allowing teams in baseball. Giants couldn't hit for any power. Uh, they're, when the Giants faced them in San Francisco back in May, the Nationals had a team ERA of 4.44 and a 1.43 whip and a 16-21 and 21 record. Since that series, when they ripped the Giants' face off and wore it around like a prize, they they did a lot worse this, to their to what was left of the Giants' corpse this weekend. Uh, but since that series, 22-37, and 37, a 539 ERA and a 156 whip. Um, they've allowed literally, they allowed since June 1st, Doug, literally the most hits in baseball, 416. Uh, and they had the highest whip. And I, I don't believe the Giants, uh, they had six hits on Sunday. They had five hits on Saturday. And they had five hits on Friday. Meaning that the Giants have a lot of coaches in it. And I think it's the time. I'm so cranky. I was like, y'all suck. I'm just so cranky. <laughs> it's not true. It's not accurate. Teams go through slumps all the time. But. With the trade deadline looming, this is not a good uh, look heading into the last eight days or excuse me, the last week. And uh, we're going to talk about that because I don't know. What else are we going to talk about? (laughs) They have to hit better. (laughs) And I don't know how they're going to do that unless they add new players. Uh, It can't just be that Tyro Estrada is gone. That cannot be the whole reason the the lineup has stopped working. Uh, It's got to be more than that. So... Any other capper to this weekend, Doug, that you do you want to put a capper on this weekend? You know, I saw both Mission Impossible and Barbie, so they were both good. So, you know, we could talk about that. That's oh, the that's... good thing from this weekend. Perfect. Having seen Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 twice now, I can also join you in this conversation. <laughs> well, if, is there no more? And uh, in Dead Reckoning, the villain is a AI called The Entity. Not a great name, but, you know, Boomer's named it. So there you go. And it's an all-knowing AI. And it has, like, a visual avatar. And it's, like, a, a digital butthole. Like a like a screensaver <laughs> from, the, from around the turn of the century. And it makes this weird digital gargling so- sound. It's kind of funny. But if you think about it, Doug, the Giants have the entity working for them. His name is Farhan Zaidi. And he is. He is all-knowing. And even he could not put this Humpty Dumpty ass team back together, this roster to get them hitting. He has tried for many years to build a roster that can hit. And it was only because Buster Posey deigned to come back for one year that he looked good. (laughs) And otherwise it's been kind of a mess. Um, He's had a good offense from other dude, from other guys, dudes. And I don't think that's the situation he wanted to find himself in, but again, team streak. I like Barbie. Did you like Barbie? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. I don't I don't I can't relate to the Giants. <laughs> Barbie was fun and delightful and a good time. Everyone walked out smiling. Had nothing to do with how the Giants are playing right now. Thoughtful, uh, well considered. It it assembled a, a nice group of talent and all of them performed at their peak. And whenever one like shuffled off, someone else came on and picked up the slack. So it's the antithesis of the Giants. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, even like I'm even we we maybe jinxed Logan Webb by saying, oh, we're not worried about him. 
But the the Nationals seem like, oh, little baby Logan Webb, let's let's rock this baby to sleep. And uh, and they made him look really bad. And if the Nationals can get to Logan Webb, and I get it, pitchers have off days. I think this road trip really is getting to them, especially, you know, coming out of the break and all that stuff. I can certainly come up with reasons why, but that was definitely a game where they needed their ace to be an ace. And instead, the Nationals said, your ace ain't shit. Here you go. And then the Nationals ace, Mackenzie Gore, pitched like an ace and made the foolish Giants look foolish. Oh, I'm so I'm so angry, so cranky, <laughs> which is why this next bit of news made me also cranky. John Morosi reported that the Giants might have some interest in Justin Verlander. Doug, are you digging it? Uh, no, I don't see the point. Yeah. Um, Wait, are you tipping your hand for our later discussion point? (laughs) No, I mean, not necessarily. I just, he hasn't been that good this year. Uh, Like he's, he's been, he's been a nice pitcher, but not a difference maker. I think Uh, he's, he's not young. He's older than me, which is very, very old in baseball terms. And I don't see it. Like what? Are they going to DFA DiScalfani? I mean, that'd be fine. He's he's not contributing, but like, what's the spot for Verlander to be that good that he's going to make a difference and also fix the entire lineup, which has been the real problem. Like Logan Webb had an off day. Logan Webb will have pe- people are allowed to have off days. Webb I couldn't guess. put anyone away in second inning. You I know, it, it's going to happen. Uh, Alex Cobb had kind of an off day in Cincinnati. Like, okay, you know, just all kind of hits at once. You don't love it, but you understand. So, all right, you bring in Justin Verlander. He'll pitch reasonably well every fifth day. And uh, you still don't have anyone who can hit like a major leaguer in the middle infield. Uh, You still have J.D. Davis playing like shit. You still have very little contribution offensively from uh, the San Francisco Giants. So uh, is Verlander going to be worth prospect capital to make the, to polish that turd? I mean, it's hard to see. Since uh, June 14th. So his last seven starts Verlander, 44 innings pitch, 37 strikeouts, 13 walks, just two home runs allowed a 225 ERA with a 315 FIP. He did face the Giants. <laughs> Important to remember. <laughs> and he faced the White Sox. And that was his last start. He pitched eight innings, had seven strikeouts, gave up just three hits. And then also in that bunch, he faced the Yankees, whose offense, I don't know if you've been paying attention at all to the Yankees, Doug, or you listener. The, the Yankees offense has been unbelievably awful. Like it's air. It was really Aaron judge got hurt. And it's like, Oh, he was the only good player in the lineup. It turns out, but he Verlander six innings, one run against the Yankees, uh, five innings, no runs against the Brewers who desperately need offensive help. The Brewers are doing it basically with like great pitching and like a absolutely dominant defense. And their lineup is at least maybe it's a bit, a little bit better than the giants now, but for most of the season, it was worse. Uh, and then they faced the giant. He faced the Giants, and he faced the White Sox. So basically, four bad teams in that seven in, in that seven game run against the Astros. Four runs allowed in seven innings against the Padres. 
uh, three runs allowed in six innings. And against the Dodgers, he allowed uh, three runs in five innings, but he also walked six. So, you know, I guess it makes sense, like an older pitcher not being as dominant against better teams and then being sure to uh, be good against the bad teams. Sure, the Giants could use that, but he's going to cost. I'm I'm sure the Mets, Doug, would be like, here, have him. He's he's making $40 million a year the next two years. He has like a player option. Uh, So he's going to make $43.3 million this year, $43.3 million next year. And then he has a vesting option in 2025 when he's 42 um, and it and that vests with 140 innings pitched next year. So I'm sure the Mets would say, take him, please. I mean, the other side of that is, is, is Verlander, though, has a no trade clause. Would he want to come to the Giants when they're looking like shit? I, well, I'm not sure why. That's and maybe that's something we'll talk about in our next segment, because Doug and I are going to talk about some trades because I. I think that's an interesting question that you probably have more insight on than I do because streakiness is part of the game, right? So they look like shit right now, but they certainly didn't um, just earlier last week, (laughs) right? So it's kind of a tough, it's kind of a tough thing. Like what are, who are the real giants? And I I have to imagine some players, some uh, front offices, they, no, there is no consensus. I think a lot of, you know, personalities decide what the Giants are and the Giants have to try to put their best foot forward. Of course, you know, the front office might say publicly one thing and think something else. We don't know. It's a, it's kind of a, a lot of factors there. Would Verlander go to a team that right now, the counterpoint, Doug, would Verlander go to a team that has a, that's has the wild card right now? So all he would be doing was be coming in to secure a playoff spot, which they already right now, if the playoffs started today, would have. And they're only four games out of the division anyway. So there's that to consider as well. The Mets are flat out of it. Uh, I I can't help but be cynical because of what happened this past weekend. It, this seems like if they were to go get Verlander and kind of a lot of the marquee guys, like if it was Scherzer instead of Verlander, let's say, is that this seems like a marketing thing more than it seems like a, a than it seems like a what the team would want to do uh, quality wise. Uh, you know, Verlander's good enough. He's a big enough splash. Farnsidey's in year five of uh, being the front office guy. I think there's there's the idea of like, well, I got to make it look like we're doing something right. And this is a name brand, so I'm I'm showing you what we got and the the acquisition cost would not hurt as much as like trying to get Shohei Otani or contrive of a way to do a three-team deal for Juan Soto, which Doug, I did not just sit there and think, how could the Giants get Juan Soto? Some force put that thought in my mind. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> does that make me crazy? Sure. Yes. But in any case, I think getting Justin Verlander would be like this weird, it feels like it would be like this kind of desperate band-aid more than anything else. That, that's what it seems like to me too. So yeah, you know, maybe he wouldn't cost that much in prospects and he'd, so he's worth it to the team, but man, it's, it's hard to see that being the move that puts the Giants over the top. On the other hand, the Giants have had stre- streaks this year where they looked great. So maybe they just do need one more guy and then the coaches to work their magic with the offense. Uh, if I say this, if I keep saying the sentence long enough, maybe I'll believe it. And then they'll, 
they'll find a way to be good again and sneak in as that third wild card. I don't not believe. <laughs> All right, we tried really hard to come up with some trade scenarios. Not necessarily that we'd want to see, I don't think. Maybe we can take a couple of minutes. Do you have any that you'd like to see? You don't have to like be uh, uh, an expert here, Doug. Like where you're like, I, I, I don't know which, pro- you're like knowing exactly which prospects, but like what, who would you like to see the Giants get? You'd like to see them get Joey Otani? I mean, it'd be fun, but um, I don't think with what he costs, with, with what he's going to cost, it'd be worth it. Um, I agree. Because the Angels don't, don't want to trade him. They'd have to be blown away. The guys the Giants would have to give up to blow, blow them away, uh, they're going to need in the future. So uh, it seems like kind of a no. Um, and then you kind of go down the list of, of teams uh, that are non-contenders because what the Giants need right now is middle infield help. They need someone who can play shortstop or second base uh, and hit like a major leaguer because they don't have that on the roster at the moment. When Brandon Crawford comes back, they still won't have that. Um, they're basically just waiting for Tyro Estrada. Have you seen a highlight of Marco Luciano in AAA where he's not hitting the ball hard on the ground? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> on the ground is not going to get it done. No. Um, actually, he did He did Homer yesterday. Okay, all happened. right. All right, I saw the one where he hit a ground, yeah. like a hard ground ball. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, I mean, what the Giants need is two guys to play middle infield. And, you know, it'd be nice if David VR could turn around. We haven't seen any hints of that. It'd be nice if Casey Schmidt could turn around. It'd be nice if Brett Wisely could start hitting. We haven't seen any of those things basically in months. I don't think anybody really thinks that Wilmer Flores is an answer at second base. He's not a second baseman anymore. And so you look at what they have. They don't have anybody up the middle. And you look at what's available up the middle and it's basically just as bad. So unless you're counting on a turnaround from like Rugnit Odor, who was DFA'd um, a few days ago, uh, it's the slick, the, the pickings are incredibly slim. And so where is this improvement going to come from to make this team good? I don't know. Well, like Glaber Torres to, to that point is like maybe a guy, but I don't see why the Yankees would give him up. Or, you know, trade him. And maybe we're going to have to talk about this now, even though we're so close to getting into our our trade pitches. It's like the, the talk on the farm is that Elliot Ramos and Joey Bart have turned things around. But do the Yankees think that? You know, Brian Sabian being over there, I don't know if that helps or hurts the situation. Um, I just, you know, generally speaking, people are always down on Giants prospects. And generally speaking, you know, it's hard to like gauge what the Yankees think versus what their fans think. But like basically every Yankees fan thinks every Yankees player is the best player at that position. And even if there are numbers that show that's not the case, it's like, well, there's something wrong with those numbers. But it's like, so Glaber Torres is like untouchable somehow for two, uh, for an outfielder, a right-handed outfielder who hits for power and is, is young and a catcher with pretty solid defense. I don't know. Would that get it done? I don't know. And also Glaber Torres, what do you do with, is he the guy? Is he the guy you want around? I, I've certainly turned around on him. I was like, yes, absolutely. 
112 weighted runs created plus one and a half war. Some, maybe something there, but I think it'd be hard to get him. Um, I, I already said what, who I would want. I'm who I'm fan casting or which is, is one Soto somehow in a three team deal. If the giants were to give up a bunch of prospects, I think that's the thing. If they were to make a big sexy move that involved a lot of prospects, Shohei Otani, try to get him in the off season. If you're going to spend, try to get Juan Soto when the Padres are maybe taking a step backwards. I don't think that's happening. I'm just saying if the, if they're going to go big, that's where I'd want to go. But Farhan Zaidi, the best risk manager in the business He's doing the other thing. He's going, Justin Verlander would just cost money. He wouldn't cost prospects, and it'd be a big name. It's a funny thing for him to think that, and I think that's what he's thinking, because Justin Verlander in the playoffs does not make Giants fans feel good. <laughs> it shouldn't. Uh, counter, counterpoint, Justin Verlander made me feel great in the 2012 playoffs. Well, I, I was immediately zero. jumping to the other side of that. I'm like, you don't want to be <laughs> on the team with Justin Verlander. <laughs> yeah. All right. So do you have any, or actually, let me ask you this. Which direction are you going? So you freaky Friday with uh, Farnsite. You guys switch bodies, whatever. Uh, which way are you going? Pitching or hitting? I think what they need is hitting, but I don't see the hitters. Well, I mean, so you got nobody. Like, I, I have a list. Yeah, I, I have basically nobody. I was trying to figure out a like a way for Eugenio Suarez to make sense. But first off, Seattle would not want to trade him. Second, even when he played shortstop, and he did play it a little bit a couple years ago, he wasn't that good there. Yeah. So uh, it's, you know, I, I don't I don't see it at all. Uh, there is no Marco Scudero-like player. Well, I immediately attacked my anxiety and I tried, I was like, why am I so anxious about this looking for a middle infielder? And I was able to put a name to that anxiety, Kike Hernandez. And then I went and I looked at his numbers and he has an 85 OPS plus over his last five seasons. Like he has been a bad baseball player for a long time now. So the idea that, that Farhan would go and dip in into his pool of regulars uh, and, and, cast him in his his current project. I don't see that happening in this case. He would cost nothing. And it would be, it might just be like, if he makes a series of moves on the day, I could imagine a scenario where maybe he just winds up there. But I, at the same time, I was like, mm, probably not. He's He's been pretty bad. But there is a guy that the Giants might see coming into this Tiger series, Zach McKinstry, another former Dodger. A left-handed hitting um he plays second base, third base, and all three outfield positions. I don't know how good of a second baseman, third baseman he is. By StatCast, outs above average, he's a plus one at second, plus two at third, and he's zero at all the infield positions. He's worth uh, 1.5 or 1.6 war by uh, fan graph. So he would, and he's like pre-arbitration. But he's also 28 years old. So there's kind of like a mix of factors. Uh, Scott Harris traded for him during spring training from the Cubs uh, to the Tigers, I'm sure that the acquisition costs for him would actually be kind of maybe not shocking, but probably be kind of high, but he kind of looks like the actualized version of Brett Wisely. That, that's kind of what I'm reading from Zach McKinstry. I could be completely wrong with that, um, but you know, almost a 10% walk rate, 20% strikeout rate. Uh, he's 
by his stat cast grid, whiff rate, 82nd percentile, barrel rate, 59th percentile, walk rate, 62nd, sprint speed, 82, arm strength, 96, got a 65% outfielder jump, and outs above average, 83rd percentile. So he's pretty solid, I would say. Left-handed hitting. Seems like he might be able to do it. But again, I think the cost might be maybe surprisingly high to a point maybe it might take them out of the situation. But I wonder how many teams are looking for Zach McKinstry. Honestly, it might be higher than you think. The The other name that I did see, and this is something I think the previous regime would have been more likely to do than the current one, is Matt Duffy, who uh, we all remember and like Matt Duffy back from 2014 and 2015. He, you know, he's on the Royals right now, so they can get rid of him. It's going to be a one-year deal. Shouldn't be a huge prospect load. Uh hasn't been playing that much over there. Uh, so not a huge deal for them to get rid of him. He's hitting decently, if unspectacularly. He's hitting 274, 328, 350, which is a very Matt Duffy line. He can play multiple positions on the infield, like a major leaguer. Uh, you know, his stat cast numbers are not good. No. Uh, 16th percentile exit max exit velocity, 39th percentile sprint speed, 41st outs above average. I mean, those are both a little below average. So that's not terrible, but 28th percentile arm strength. He's not the greatest player, but if you're looking for a body who will not embarrass himself, which might be where the Giants are at right now. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's what are the. If, they if had you look at what they have texting themselves this weekend, Doug. <laughs> they seem to like walking around. I don't think. I don't think they enjoyed that, Brian. I think they would like that to stop. I don't know. Um, but if you look at if you look at all second basemen or second base qualifiers on Fangraphs with at least a hundred plate appearances, Brett Wisely has the second worst WRC plus. David VR is fifth worst. It's unplayably bad. So if you're looking for for Matt Duffy, who's a little below average but not terrible probably won't cost that much. We'll upgrade the team in the meantime and the fans will be happy to see him again. I mean, I could see that as being a stopgap move until they figure out just what the hell's going on and how they can get some offense going. Uh, Since I was over on StatCast with you there, I made sure to triple check my Kike Hernandez thing and his StatCast numbers are like, this guy is, is toast. He's done. <laughs> he's a, he is, he's actually player. never heard of baseball. Yeah. He freaked Friday with someone who has never played baseball before. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, cost-wise, it would probably come down to that. Now, I saw Zach McKinstry because I was looking for pitching. Not because it's more important, because you're totally right. And, I mean, that's what I wrote about in the National Series preview – the lineup, they need help somewhere, somehow. And certainly Cody Bellinger, I wrote a post, uh, are you a Stroman or a Bellinger? And, uh, you know, if you're a Stroman, that means you want the Giants to go after a pitcher. If you're a Bellinger, you want them to go after a hitter. You know, because we had talked about, we had seen, you know, get Marcus Stroman and Cody Bellinger in one package deal. And the Tigers kind of have a similar situation probably not going to happen again because the cost would be really high, but a really interesting uh, combo that they could enter the trade market with 
it is a seller's market, as you corrected me and pointed out. Now I'm just running with it, Doug. I'm just thinking about it constantly. But <laughs> I don't know how much of a seller the Tigers will be, but Zach McKinstry and Eduardo Rodriguez, lefty, I think is their number two starter this year. He's been he's having the best season of his career, and he's had a really solid career initially with the Red Sox, now with the Tigers. He's 30. He signed through 2026. He's basically making, I think he, next year is like a balloon payment. It's like 17 million. And I think it's 15 and 14 or 14 and 14. Um, he's got a 269 ERA with a 315 FIP and 14 starts, a 9.5 strikeouts per nine and a 1.9 walks per nine. You know, again, Rodriguez and McKinstry opposed to Stroman and Bellinger. Well, Stroman has the uh, option, but could become a free agent. Bellinger has an option. It's a mutual option, but he could become a free agent. That's probably going to require less in prospect costs if the Cubs package them together. The Tigers could have a huge bonanza if they package those two together because McKintree's pre-arb, Rodriguez has three years of control, and he's pitching lights out this year. Uh, That's another situation where I'm like, you know, if the Giants do go big and it's for those two guys, I'll defend it. I mean, I'd wonder how big I mean, the cost would be. It'd be a huge cost, though. But in, in any case, oh, sorry, what were you going to say? No, I mean, I think that's that's the kind of package that you do give up one of your kind of prize prospects for. Because you have someone, you have high-quality players, and one of them is going to be around for a while. Um, that's And that's what the Giants are, are looking for. Uh, that's what they need. You know, if they're going to, if they're going to still be a contender, then... Get, go, you gotta you gotta jump on that you gotta convince Shohei Otani that you're trying yeah and, and it's and not all about him these are both nice plus like they're like solidly above average with uh, even a higher ceiling Rodriguez might be pitching to a ceiling right now and he'd be probably the second best pitcher on the Giants right now which is saying a lot because I like Alex Cobb quite a bit and so looking at just some other starting pitchers you know I noticed him and I noticed Marcus Stroman obviously there's Jack Flaherty on the Cardinals. He's a free agent, I believe. And, you know, he's pitched fine. He's pitched well. He'd be an interesting guy. And I say all that because as much as you're right about the offense, Anthony DiScofani, Sean Manaya, Alex Wood, Jacob Junis, Tristan Beck, Keaton Wynn, and I'm going to put in Ross Stripling there for right now, even though some sad boys, Saberis, love him because he's looked uh, in his last five games Stripling – 19.1 innings pitch, 16 strikeouts, one walk, three home runs allowed, 372 ARA, 381 FIP. They're basically saying, he's back. Ross Stripling is great. Doesn't need to do anything. Right? Every, uh, Zadie, Zadie's fixed the rotation. The team is totally fine. Uh, I'm not sure I mind that because I, I watch most of the season with Ross Stripling and it's pretty much a nightmare. But even if including him or not, that's still five guys where it's like, that's just a morass. That's just a sludge of pitching. And I understanding that Tristan Beck and Keaton win, it's fine to be higher on them because they're rookies and all that stuff. I'm not saying we've seen their peak or whatever, but I'm like, there's a fungibility, a fungible quality to them because I feel like we'd be seeing them more if the team had more trust in them. Obviously they're paying certain guys more and all that stuff, but I don't know. I feel like you could improve upon one of those five guys that's also an opportunity that you should try to do because let's say stripling is your guy now, or stripling is fine. That's four rotation spots, which are basically locked down. And now you're, you're going to be cycling through what three or four guys for that final spot. I feel a lot more comfortable with that. So I named three pitchers. There's a couple of other hitters. Doug, is this the time that the giants bring back Adam Duvall? 
<laughs> the I prodigal mean, son it, returns. It might be. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, I mean, Duvall has had such a nice career since the Giants traded him away for Mike Leake. Uh, <laughs> I think I think I pronounced that right. Right. The mm-hmm. the deep heavy sigh when I yes. said Mike Leake's name. That's right. And what what Duvall has is a lot of power. Yes. Um, and he's been shown and he's shown that for most of his career. He this year he's hitting uh he's hitting 259, 322, 519. He uh he went two for three yesterday. Yeah, with a double. He had a stolen base yesterday. Hey. Uh he, you know, in, in some ways he's not a very far on player. He he strikes out a lot and doesn't walk a lot. He has a like a about a thirty two percent strikeout rate and about a little less than a seven percent walk rate. But you know, you look at the power, you look at at least some defensive versatility in the outfield, um, and you know there, there's a lot of pluses to him. Is he going to fix you know their most pressing issues up the middle in the infield? No, he can't do that. Uh, but he would be kind of a good, effective player, which the Giants at this point could take all of those they can get. Um, so in that way, it makes sense. Well, I mean, at this point, it, you could make the argument that they need to get a pitcher and a hitter. And I don't know what that means in terms of what the, we don't know what the Giants are willing to give up, right? We can look at Ramos and you could also think, well, why get Duvall when you have potentially Elliot Ramos tearing it up in AAA, who's he's about ready to be activated. Don't you have him? And what happens when uh, Mitch Hanniger, remember he's on the team. What happens when he comes back? <laughs> Aren't you just replicating Mitch Hanniger with Adam Duvall and all reasonable arguments, but like, are the giants really going to hold on to Jock Peterson all season? They, they could trade. What's, what's the harm in trading him away if it gets them a, a better player who helps them in the field and the DH becomes more of a rotation thing. I say that because what do they sign Jock Peterson to do? You know, sock dingers have some slugging percentage. And as we've gone through, it's like, you could do better. Jock Peterson is not the be all end all. And, uh, and so why not, if you can do it, um, it's weird that the team feels like it's missing Brandon Crawford. Just a weird thought. We, which we didn't even talk about. There's uh, some reporting on that in his knee. And maybe we won't see him again this season. I imagine we will, at least in September, if something weird happens. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, they'll bring him back for a farewell. But it is weird to think, like, oh, this is definitely the, you know. <laughs> it ended a little bit more abruptly than I expected it to. But definitely seems like it's over. And they're missing a guy. Uh, you know, they seem to be better when he was in the roster, even when he wasn't hitting well. So it's uh, tough to see that. They definitely need some sort of catalyst, some sort of linchpin. Uh, the the rookies can't be expected to drive this team. It's not really the case. You know, Patrick Bailey is still getting his sea legs. They're all getting their sea legs. And now they're going to be facing the Oakland A's, Doug. The Bay Bridge Series begins. The, the fight for the Bay Bridge Series trophy begins anew. I want that trophy, Brian. I love the bridge trophy. Give me the bridge trophy. <laughs> and then after that, they're going to have the Red Sox in town. So we, we're going to get to see Kike Hernandez and Adam Duvall close up, right up, right up <laughs> in front, front row. Uh, but the A's series, you know, the A's are really bad and the Giants are taking them at home, but are at Oracle Park. And so 
don't know. I'd like to think the Giants are going to get two wins, but that's probably not going to happen. So, uh, I mean, they, they should get two wins. Like, it's a really rare thing that a major league team is is worse, is bad enough compared to another major league team that you think they should not win a game. The A's should not win a game against the Giants um, in this series. The Nationals uh, should not have won a game against the Giants. Right. Exa- well, the National, <laughs> the Nationals should have won one game. Like, if you look at what the talent level should be, Giants should have gone two and one in Washington. And they didn't. Um, right. So you look at what they should do against the A's and you think, I mean, is that really going to happen? No. The A's are basically a triple A team at this point. Um, that might be generous. And the Giants should be able to beat them pretty handily. So the problem is the Giants aren't playing much better. Uh, so who who knows? <laughs> who knows? And you don't want to say that. It just lays to waste any of our analysis. I mean, they're slumping really bad right now. The the lineup is, it needs to get going. They're going to play a game, you know, in the morning for them. And who knows the travel. And then it's a night, two night games. Maybe the tiny bit of extra rest helps them a little bit. You know, Austin Slater, I need to see him crushing lefties again. I'm kind of sick of this. Where, where'd my boy go? He had Lane Thomas all weekend stealing his bit. And it ticked me off. <laughs> just crushing lefties, but uh, you know, he's going to face wall for the A's on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, another left hand hander. It's like, I, I don't even bother to learn the A's players names anymore. Cause it's like, that guy's not going to be there for much longer. Uh, Hogan Harris. So two lefties. So we're going to see a lot of Austin Slater. Hopefully that helps. Uh, hopefully he gets it going. I guess Casey Schmidt's still going to be in the lineup. It'd be nice to see him. Uh, get a couple more hits. I think left out of that note that I read at the beginning about the series in in Washington, but I heard on the broadcast, Casey Schmitz had like five or seven hits in his last 70 or 80 at bats. Some, it was some range um, like that. <laughs> yeah. So I can say over the last 30 days, Casey Schmidt has 52 plate appearances and he's hitting one Oh four. Yeah. So, um, and it, it feels like it. Like it, you can tell when you're watching that that's what's happening. Yeah. Whew. Doug, are you going to write about any of this? And where are you going to write about it? Uh, so I think on Tuesday, I'm going to write about the uh, performance of the Giants rookies lately, which has been subpar. And you'll be able to read that if you want to, which you might not, because it's going <laughs> to get kind of unpleasant. There, there will be numbers involved. <laughs> Uh, but you can find that at giantsdug.substack.com where I write every Tuesday and Thursday. Brian, where can our audience find you? McCoveyChronicles.com. Uh, I don't. I post a lot there. Uh, it's contractual. And uh, so I'll be writing uh, series previews. And uh, Doug, we need to get back to negging specific players. That was working. It was. Uh, I. You know what? I have some very mean things that I can say about J.D. Davis. We should do that on, on Thursday's episode. Just like we were compelled to do better by one of our listeners, and thank you for pointing out that we could stand to be a little more exacting in our words and specific by what we mean. I think that was fair. Uh, we should do the same with players. I think people respond to uh, posts on the internet. I think that's what the past week has taught me. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, and don't forget we're a part of Fans First Sports Network, which now has a website fansforsports.com and go ahead and check it out. See all the podcasts for your favorite teams. I uh, mentioned Oakland Warriors podcast earlier in the show. 
check them out. Patrick Capino, he, he's got a great show there. Longtime Warriors fan. And uh, yeah, we'll be back on Thursday with an all new episode. Until then, go Giants, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Good job. Ha, 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 ha.